اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم آیہ نمبر 123 کذبت عادن المرسلین کذبت it denied عادن the people of عاد المرسلین the messengers the people of عاد denied the messengers do you notice the word کذبت she denied does it mean that the people of عاد were all women So why is the feminine verb used? Why not kathaba? Why kathabat? Because in Arabic, when you're referring to certain nations, like for example the people of Ad, then female pronouns are used. So kathabat adun. The people of Ad denied. Al-Mursaleen, all of the messengers. How did they deny all of the messengers? When they denied the messenger who was sent to them. And when was that? إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ When their brother said to them. Who was their brother? Hudun Hud alayhi salam. So Hud alayhi salam, the Prophet Hud, was sent to the nation of Ad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him their brother. Why? Because he was one of them. And he was well known to them. And he also had brotherly concern for his people. So he said to them, أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Do you not fear? Do you not fear Allah? Or Allah, do not tattaqoon, you protect yourselves. Because remember that taqwa, first of all, it is understood as fear of Allah. So do you not have any fear of God? Meaning what kind of actions are you committing? And secondly, do you not protect yourselves? Meaning what kind of actions are you doing that you're putting yourself up for punishment? Allah tattaqoon. Won't you fear Allah? Meaning you should fear Allah. You should do something to protect yourselves. Inni lakum, indeed I am for you. Rasulun ameen, a trustworthy messenger. The fact is that when a person is disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is he doing in reality? He is harming himself. Even though in the act of disobedience there may be a lot of pleasure, a lot of fun, in reality a person is putting himself up for punishment for loss, and later on he will regret. Either in this life, or definitely in the hereafter. This is why, أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Why don't you do something to protect yourself? In other words, why are you putting yourself in danger? Why are you harming yourself? Why are you destroying yourself by committing these crimes? What were the crimes of these people? We will learn about their crimes in the following verses, but in particular, What was common amongst all of these nations was their shirk, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it is shirk or it is lying. Lying to who? Our friends or our parents, our siblings, whoever it is. Lying, cheating, all of these actions are what in reality? They're sins. And when a person is sinning, when he's crossing the limits that Allah has set, then he is putting himself up for punishment. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ He says, I'm a messenger to you, I'm conveying this message to you faithfully, without holding anything back, without changing anything, so fear Allah and obey me. Obey me. Notice the Prophet said, أَطِيعُونِ He did not say, worship me. He said, obey me. But who is it that you should worship? Allah. He said, وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ And I do not ask you. عَلَيْهِ On it. On what? For this work that I am doing of conveying Allah's message to you, I do not demand from you in return, min ajrin, any ajr. Look at the word min. What does min mean? From. But min, it also gives a meaning of 
a little bit. So min ajrin, meaning not even a little bit of compensation, a little bit of reward, meaning I want nothing from you in return. Why? Because in ajriya, my reward is not illa except ala rabbil alameen upon the Lord of the worlds. Meaning I am His messenger, He is the one who has sent me, and He is the one who will compensate me. You don't need to worry about my wages, you don't need to worry about my pay, I am God's messenger and He will take care of that. Now the people of Ad, they are mentioned in great detail in the Qur'an. This is not the first time we are reading about them in the Qur'an and it will certainly not be the last time. And we see this, like for example in Surah Al-Shu'ara, so far we have read several stories and in the following verses also we will come across many stories, many people of the past. And the reason why the stories of the people of the past are spread out through the Qur'an is because each time a story is mentioned, we are being taught a lesson. Like we discussed earlier, the Qur'an is not a book of information. It's a book of lessons. And in order to learn lessons, sometimes you have to look into things which you are already familiar with. Isn't that so? You, you, you are made to revisit and rethink about things which you know very well. So the Qur'an is a book of lessons. And over here again, the people of Adr are being mentioned. Why? So that we take a lesson from their story. Now, the people of Ad, how are they described in the Qur'an? First of all, we learn that the people of Ad came soon after the people of Nuh alayhi salam. In the Qur'an, in Surah Al-A'raf, ayah 69, we learn, إِذْ جَعَلَكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ مِنْ بَعْدِ قَوْمِ نُوحِ That Allah made you khulafa, successors on the earth, after the people of Nuh alayhi salam. So, people of Ad are ancient, very ancient people. Now, of course, they're extinct, but... They lived, it is said that approximately 3,000 years before Isa alayhi salam. Secondly, we learn about the people of Ad that they were a very strong and mighty nation. They weren't just any people. They were people who possessed a lot of physical strength, a lot of resources. They were very mighty. In Surah Fussilat, Ayah 15, we learn that the people of Ad, they said, فَأَمَّا عَادٌ فَاسْتَكْبَرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ وَقَالُوا مَنْ أَشَدُّ مِنَّا قُوَّةِ They said that who is stronger than us in strength. They boasted about their physical might, their physical strength. Meaning no one is more powerful than us. We are the most mighty people. مَنْ أَشَدُّ مِنَّا قُوَّةِ In Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 69, we learn, وَزَادَكُمْ فِي الْخَلْقِ بَسْطَةِ Their Prophet said to them that Allah has given you added increased physical strength. Meaning, He's given you such physical strength that He has not given to others. Then we also learn about the people of Ad that with their physical strength and all of the resources they had, they constructed large buildings. They were known for this. So for example, in Surah Al-Fajr, Ayah 6 to 8, we learn, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِعَادِ Their city of Iram, which was full of imad, pillars. Pillars, what does that indicate? Huge buildings. And Allah describes that city, Iram, as Allati lam yukhlaq mithluha fil bilad. That these people constructed such buildings with such pillars, the likes of which were not to be found anywhere else. Or the likes of the people of Ad were to be found nowhere else in the world. So they also constructed large buildings. And then we also learned that these people were especially very, very proud. Because what happens? If you've got the physical strength, if you've got the looks, and then you've got the money, 
then what do you think is going to come next? If a person has both of these things, what's going to happen next? Pride. So these people were also extremely proud. We learn in Surah Hud, Ayah 59, وَتِلْكَ عَادْ جَحَدُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ وَعَصَوْ رُسُلَهُ وَاتَّبَعُوا أَمْرَ كُلِّ جَبَّارٍ عَنِيدٍ The people of Ad they followed the command of every Jabbar, tyrant. So it shows that their leaders were also oppressors. Then in Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 70, we learn that these people, they were so stubborn on their shirk that they said to their Prophet, bring us what you threaten us with. So again, it shows their arrogance and their pride. Now over here in particular, what is mentioned about the people of Ad? What did their Prophet say to them? He said, أَتَبْنُونَ أَدُوا تَبْنُونَ You all build, you all construct. From the word bunyan. Bana, بَنُونَ ya. Bina, bina, construction, to construct something. Bunyan, that which has been constructed. Alright? Bana, the act of building. So, tabnuna, do you all build, you construct. Bi kulli, be at, kulli, every, ri'in, elevation. Meaning at every elevation, every high place, you build ayah. You build an ayah, a sign. Meaning you construct buildings at every high place. And these buildings are not for the purpose of residence. No, they're simply ayah. Why is a building called a sign? A sign. Because the purpose of these buildings was to show off their strength, their resources. Like for example a landmark or a monument or something like that, when it's made, what's the objective? What's the purpose? It is to show that we have so much gold that we can actually make a statue out of gold. We have so many artists, we have so many resources that we can actually build all of this. Hmm? So, Now, look at the word ri'in. This is new. The word ri' ra'ya'in is used for al-makan al-murtafir. Meaning a place that is elevated. A high place. And such a place, is it visible from far? Is it? Of course it is. Now imagine, if there is a high place that's visible from far, and on top of that is a monument. Can everybody see it? Of course. Can you see it from a distance? For sure you can. So he said that you make all of this ta'bathoon. Amusing yourselves. Tarbathun from abath. Abatha. What does abath mean? Abath is to do a purposeful action uselessly. A purposeful action meaning it's not that a person is just doing nothing. No, he's actually doing something. But what's the objective of that something that he's doing? Nothing. Nothing useful. Like for example, if you are cutting paper, why are you cutting paper? Because you need that paper to be cut in a specific shape so that you can use it for a certain reason. Now, if you're just cutting newspaper into shreds, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Okay, if a three-year-old is doing it, you can understand they're practicing their cutting skills. But if as a 25-year-old, you're just shredding newspaper, what's the purpose? What's the reason? If there's a reason, okay, go ahead and do it for two hours if there's a reason. But if there's no reason at all, and once you've shredded that entire paper and you're throwing it in the garbage, what was that activity of two hours? What was that? Useless. This is abath. Like for example, bubble wrap. 
right? So for example, bubble wrap. You're just popping those bubbles, right, for fun. Now, you're putting in effort sometimes. It's not that easy because you have to keep doing it. And one after the other. I remember there was an app. I don't know if an advanced version of that exists today, but there was an app. All you had to do was just tap the bubbles. Like seriously, tap the bubbles. For what? Do you get scores? And even if you do get scores, what are you going to do with it? Pop an advanced level of you know some bubbles or something? What's the purpose? I mean, tapping itself is a useful action, but the purpose is nothing. So tabathun, this is what you're doing. Meaning, you know why it gets addictive? Because you don't feel satisfied. You don't feel satisfied. So you want to do more and more and more. And the more you do it, the less satisfied you feel until you finally delete that app or just throw your phone down and go do something else. That will actually bring you a sense of fulfillment. Hmm? So he says to them that what are you doing? You're constructing all of these monuments, these buildings... In reality, you're just wasting your time, your resources, your skill, your talent. Why? Just for the purpose of fun? Just for the purpose of displaying and showing off your strength and your power and your wealth? Why would you do that? Like for example, if there is a city where people are living, and they do build some nice you know, monuments or structures or art pieces or things like that around the city, is that something good? It could be good, why not? Like for example, when you go to Mecca, there are many beautiful things that you see around the city. You'll see for example, a bridge that you have to go under, but it's actually like a Qur'an, like a Mus'haf that's open, and you have to drive from under it. So these are beautiful things to look at. However, does this ayah mean that we shouldn't do these kind of things? Because Prophet Hud is criticizing his nation. أَتَبْنُونَ بِكُلِّ رِيعٍ آيَةً تَعْبَثُونَ that if you're not going to live in it, you're not going to sit under it to get some shade, you're not really making any money out of it, this is a waste of time, you shouldn't be doing this. He's criticizing them. So does this mean that we should not indulge in similar things? Remember, jamal, beautification, is for three purposes. It could be for three reasons. One is that which is praiseworthy. Meaning if you adopt that beautification, whether it's in the form of a structure, it is in the form of clothing, it's in the form of some artwork, you know, an art piece, whatever it is, it could be praiseworthy. When is it praiseworthy? When is it good? When it is done for the sake of Allah. It is done to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ this tajammul, this adornment, this beautification, whether it is on our body or it is in our homes or in the city, in the country that we're living in, it could be good when it is done for the sake of Allah. Now the question is, what do you mean by doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do you do this for the sake of Allah, to please Allah? When and how? Think about it. So for example, a woman is adorning herself before her husband, so good. MashaAllah, very nice. Because usually women don't do that. When we're going to parties or weddings, that's when we really adorn ourselves and go to extreme lengths in beautifying ourselves. But at home it's another story. So if a woman does that for her husband, essentially, I mean, she's doing it in a halal way. The context is all halal. It's going to inshallah increase in appreciation and love for each other. And this will strengthen the marriage bond, which will be a source of good for both people. Then inshallah for the sake of Allah.
Alhamdulillah, good. How else? So for example, if a masjid is built in a beautiful way, or a masjid is made to look nice, why? How is this for the sake of Allah? Because when people will come and pray in that masjid, will they feel good? Yes. Think about it. Any place that you go to, doesn't that affect you? Like for example, why is it that some stores you walk into and you're like, I have to get something from here. Why? Because everything just smelled so good. It smelled so good that even when you're passing from outside, you can smell everything in there. So the atmosphere has an effect on us. When you go to a masjid that is bright and clean, then what happens? You want to be there. But if it's dark and gloomy and smelly and stuffy, then what happens? You fall asleep. Or you're like, it just feels so icky, I have to get out of here. Isn't it so? When is it that you can really do sajda properly? When the carpet feels clean. It smells clean, it looks clean. But the moment you put your head on the ground and you're wondering, did a child ever puke over here? Or what happened? Like, seriously, sometimes you get those smells. So then can you actually do sajood properly? Never. So having a nice clean carpet, an expensive one maybe, that's actually soft and it's easy to sit on, having nice clean painted walls, having nice bright lights, all of this zina, this is for who? Lillah. It is for Allah. Because it is helping us obey Allah. It is helping us Implement Allah's orders. Advanced technology or like really fancy, and not just fancy, but really advanced buildings and all such structures, which could be even in Mecca. Is that okay? Why not? I mean, when you're doing tawaf and you see that clock, it's very, very helpful. Isn't it? As opposed to taking out your phone all the time and then looking for the time. All you have to do, no matter where you are in the haram, just look up and you know what the time is. Likewise, now these buildings being so close to the haram, it makes it easier for you to actually go for tawaf and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala easily. So, I mean, of course, things should be in moderation, but this kind of beauty, adornment, these kind of advancements, if they are for the right reason, for the sake of Allah, Lillah, helping us worship Allah, helping us obey Allah, then there is nothing wrong with the zina. Nothing wrong at all. In fact, it is praiseworthy. Even if a lot of money has been spent on this, why not? Why not? I mean, think about this huge expansion that is being done of the haram. I am so happy about that. It's actually making it possible for people to go and do tawaf and umrah you know like for example that, that fancy thing that they've put in the actual mataf so that there's two levels now of doing tawaf? Come on. Otherwise if you didn't find room in the mataf you would have to go you know, upstairs on the upper floors and it would take three times the amount of time that you would spend. I mean it would take so long. So now alhamdulillah it's easier. So these conveniences if they are for the purpose of accommodating more people if they're for the purpose of making ibadah easier, then why not? If you have the money, why not? Isn't it better than wasting it on other things? So, remember that this kind of jamal is praiseworthy. Another kind of jamal, the second type, is that which is blameworthy. It is madmum, meaning it is condemned. Which one? 
when this jamal beautification is adopted for the purpose of dunya for the purpose of fame for showing off to show that yeah we also have this much money to show that yeah even i went back home and bought all these nice fancy clothes and i can also dress up in parties with the wrong intention this is what this is something that is blameworthy thirdly the third type of jamal is that which is neither praiseworthy nor blameworthy neither of the two objectives are met meaning a person is not doing for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor is he doing it to show off for the purpose of dunya he's just doing it because he's doing it and many times we do this you know for example we will decorate our houses why not to show off not so that my house looks good it's so that whenever i walk in i actually feel grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just we're doing it because everybody's doing it so this is a waste so what's the main lesson then that any time any kind of beautification is adopted whether in our body or in our homes in any way it should be for whose sake for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَتَتَّخِذُونَ He said, and you take, meaning you build for yourselves مَصَانِعَ مَصَانِعَ Palaces. Plural of the word مَصْنَعَ What is مَصْنَعَ? Fortress. What kind of fortress in particular? That which is built to protect from enemy. Meaning it's so strong that once you hide in it, you're safe. Also, مَصْنَعَ from صَاد صَنَعَ It's basically manufacturing so that which is constructed artistically meaning it's not just a building it's a palace it actually looks nice so you build for yourselves palaces and fortresses la'allakum takhludun so that you might abide eternally takhludun from khulud why are you building such houses such palaces what's the reason so that you can live forever can you live forever no you cannot Basically, he's criticizing them that don't you have anything better to do? What is the purpose of these structures? How are you making them? How are you setting them up? Thinking that you will remain in them forever? Because think about it. If there is something that is going to benefit you for one day, that you're going to use for one day, how much money will you invest into it? How much of your time and your energy will you invest into something that's going to help you for just one day? Everything you've got? No way. Very little. Now, if something is good for five years, then how much money are you going to invest into it? A little bit more. Correct? And when something, you know, it has a lifetime warranty, for instance, then you're willing to pay hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars even. Why? Because there's lifetime warranty. You're willing to invest your money, you're willing to invest your time, a lot of yourself into it. Because you're going to get back from it a lot. He says that you build your houses as if you're going to live in them forever. Meaning you pay attention to so much detail. Its color, its size, its strength, everything. As if these houses are never going to break, as if you're never going to die, as if you're going to abide therein forever. This ayah is so frightening. Because if you just look at your own self, at least for myself, when, when I read this ayah, I was surprised that how quickly we forget this. How much time and energy and money we invest into our living spaces. Decorating them, and then redecorating them, 
furnishing them, and then changing that furniture because we're bored of it, right? And then buying something new because it just matches what you have already. And then changing something because it just doesn't look nice anymore. And then most of all, how much time we spend in looking for the right things. How much time? And then how much money? As if we're going to use those things forever? As if we're going to live in these spaces forever? We're not going to live in these living spaces forever. They're just temporary. So he criticizes them. That who are you trying to impress? Now, remember, there's nothing wrong in building a house. There's nothing wrong in decorating your house. But the intention should not be to show off. And secondly, it should not consume a person to such an extent that you don't have time to do what is more important in your life. But sadly, if you think about it, for most adults, what is their concern? What is their concern? House. Either we have to pay off the mortgages or we have to pay off the bills or we have to pay off the furniture that we bought on credit. This is what we are being consumed by. So it should not consume us to such an extent that we don't have time and energy for other things. Likewise, the intention should be correct. It shouldn't be for the sake of showing off to others, for the sake of impressing other people. You know, for example, sometimes literally people will walk into their houses. Okay, if I were to walk into this house, how would it look? Okay, this wall, how would it look? Okay, no, no, I have to fix this, I have to fix that. We pay so much attention to detail, especially women, that we leave no corner, no wall, nothing in our house empty. It has to be filled with something. And then the rest of our time is spent in cleaning that, maintaining that, or making sure that our children don't ruin it. Were we created to worship our houses? Were we created for that purpose? We were created for whose worship? The worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that when we fill our houses so much with even artwork, that there's nothing in the house that is plain, then you get no time to think. I mean, your mind is constantly being engaged. You know, like for example, for children, they say, just leave them on their own. You don't have to fill their, their space with toys. You know, for example, a child is sitting in a car seat and a toy is dangling. A child is in the crib and there's so many toys around and above. Everywhere, toys, toys, toys. What do they say? Leave them. Let them be. Let them think on their own even. So likewise, for us, we need some mental space also. Not just houses, but also appearance. We spend so much time like fixing every little thing, like making sure that there's not even like a little piece of hair on our bodies or like not one piece of hair on our head is like miscolored or whatever. And it's like we're so obsessive over our bodies. Yes. I mean, to a certain extent, it's fine. But when we become obsessive, then it's a problem. Assalamualaikum. I also think of our wedding dresses. Like my wedding dress personally, my mother-in-law went back home to get it and she spent so much money and time designing it. And I told her to get something simple, but now it's like, it's so nice, but it's so nice I can't wear it. So like, I don't want to look like a bride wearing it to another party. So I wish I didn't have that or I just like borrowed one or I don't know. 
I wish I could sell it or do something with it because it's like an israf and it's not like I'm going to wear it ever again. And then the problem is that if you don't get rid of it immediately, five years down, nobody's going to take it either. Nobody's going to take it from you. Why? Because the fashion has changed. So this is israf then. The author Seth Godin, he writes about front lawns. So for example, a huge property that a person may have, they have their house, but in front of their house is a front lawn. He says that front lawns are organized waste. Organized waste. Communicating confidence and a bit of arrogance. Why does he write that? Because he says that these front lawns, they came from the idea that we have so much money, that we have so much land to spare, that we don't need to use it for farming, we don't even need to use it for grazing our animals, it's just extra land, you know, we're so rich. So what people started doing was that they would build their houses a little far from where their property began, just to show off. So this is the origin of front lawns. So he says that the reason you have a front lawn is to demonstrate to your friends and neighbors how much time and energy you are prepared to waste. Now, I'm not saying don't take care of your front lawn. It's there, it's there. But you get the idea that so many things which have become a part of our lives in reality serve no purpose whatsoever. And what they're doing essentially is that they're consuming us, consuming our money, our time, our mental energy, mental capacity, so we don't have the time or the strength to do other things. We really don't. Because we're so preoccupied with these unnecessary things in our lives that what is more important, we cannot bother to take care of it. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he said that once I came to the Prophet wasallam and he was sitting in the shade of the Kaaba. And he was saying, Humul akhsaroon wa rabbil Kaaba. Humul akhsaroon wa rabbil Kaaba. They are losers by the Lord of the Kaaba. They are losers by the Lord of the Kaaba. So Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he thought that maybe the Prophet ﷺ was referring to me, that I have done something wrong. So he said that I asked myself, what is wrong with me? Is there anything wrong that I've done? Do I look like I've done something wrong? So then he said that I sat with the Prophet ﷺ, and I couldn't remain quiet because the Prophet ﷺ kept repeating himself. So I asked him that who, who are the losers? May my mother and father be sacrificed for you. The Prophet ﷺ replied, Al-Aktharuna Amwala. Those who have a lot of wealth, they are losers. They will definitely, definitely be losers. Who? Al-Aktharuna Amwala. Illa man qala hakada wa hakada wa hakada. Except for the one who does like this and this and this. Meaning, the one who? gives and gives and gives. You see, something very beautiful I heard is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us money or things or food, sometimes it is for the reason of so that we may pass it on to others. We are like a means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving it to us so that we can give to others. What happens with us is that when we get a lot of wealth, whatever form that wealth is in, we think, oh, I don't need it, store it. I don't need it, let me put it away. It can go in the basement. It can go in the garage until I need it. It can go in the spare bedroom. Spare bedroom. Hmm? Spare. 
So there's so much extra that we have and we think we have to consume it. We have to use it. This is why store it, save it, do something with it, but don't give it away. And then what happens? We start complaining. Oh, my house is full of stuff. I have too many things. My kids have too many toys. I have so many clothes. I'm sick and tired of all of this. We are essentially complaining about the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. What we need to do is take account of what we really need and what is it that we should give away to others so that their needs may be fulfilled also. So whenever something is extra, what is it that we need to do? Instead of storing it for like five years, ten years, what should we do? Give it to others. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. الْأَكْثَرُونَ amwala. Who are they? الْأَخْسَرُونَ They're losers. The greatest losers, except for those who give like this and this and this. Because sometimes we think, oh, I just gave something away. Yes, you just gave something away, now again give something away, if it's extra. And again give something away, if it's extra. And the blessings of giving, the blessings of sharing, even if a little, of course, it's Allah's promise that when you are grateful, then what will happen? Allah will increase blessings for us. And increase of blessings is not just in the form of having a lot, it's also in the form of having that satisfaction, that contentment. This is true ghina, this is true richness, that when a person feels satisfied inside, they're not greedy for more, constantly looking, where can I get more from? How can I get my hands on more stuff? Satisfaction. And this is a result of gratitude, and a form of gratitude is giving to others what you have with yourself. I want to share a story with you, a recent experience. Just last week, my husband went somewhere, and uh, they gave out little bottles of zamzam. Now usually when my husband gets his hands on Zamzam, he loves to bring it home because you know it's something that everybody likes. So he brought this little bottle of Zamzam. I don't know how many ounces it was, maybe just maybe five ounces, six, seven ounces. Very, very little amount. So what happened, it was sitting in our house and a friend of mine came and her son was unwell. So as she was leaving, I gave it to her. I knew that my husband, inshallah, he wouldn't mind because he would like it. So I gave it to her. Now, when my husband came home, he's like, come on, I thought we would drink it, you know. I'm like, khair, inshallah, doesn't matter. Last week, I met somebody who had just returned from Umrah, and they gave me zamzam. Alright? Now, I took it to my husband, I'm like, there you go. Drink, enjoy. Right? And I'm like, you know what, you can drink all of it. It's okay. I don't know what he did with it, but I gave it all to him. What happened? A friend of mine messaged me. She said, I have something for you. I'm like, okay, what is it? She said, I'll bring it. I'm like, okay. I couldn't meet her where I was supposed to meet her, so she gave it to my family. So when I got home, I see a huge can of zamzam. Literally, I mean, this big. Alright, this big. I was shocked. How it started with a few ounces, and how much more it became. And now I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with the zamzam? <laughs> Start giving it away. I wanted to bring some for you guys, but then everybody will get maybe half a sip because there isn't much left. <laughs> there will be barakah. Inshallah, I will bring some tomorrow. Inshallah. So any, this is just an example that when we get something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of hoarding it and saying that, oh, zamzam for me, uh, this bracelet, I'm going to wear it, I'm going to keep it. Think about others also. 
Think about others also and Allah will amaze you. You're not gonna have less if you share what you have with others. Never ever will you have less. And when a person becomes greedy, then there's no limit to that greed. وَإِذَا بَطَشْتُمْ بَطَشْتُمْ جَبَّارِينَ وَإِذَا and when بَطَشْتُمْ You strike. بَطَشِينَ بطش. بَطش is to attack with violence, to strike, to seize. So when you do seize somebody, how do you seize them? How do you strike them? How do you fight them? بَطَشْتُمْ جَبَّارِينَ You strike as tyrants, meaning without showing any mercy. So your level of arrogance has exceeded the limits that when you see someone, you do so violently, mercilessly. And this is because when you do see someone, you do so not to discipline, but to satisfy your own ego. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونِي So fear Allah, meaning fear His بَطْشِ Fear that He will seize you. وَأَطِيعُونِي and obey me. وَاتَّقُوا and fear أَلَّذِي دَوَانْهُ أَمَدَّكُمْ he provided you from the word imdad, mim dal dal, madda. Madda is to extend something and imdad is to reinforce. That when someone runs out of some resources, give them more. So that they never really run out of it. So fear the one who has provided you with what? Bima ta'lamun, with that which you know. In other words, whatever you have, it's quite obvious, where did you get it from? Who gave you all of this? Allah gave you all of this. And now He makes them count their blessings. Amaddakum. He has provided you. He has reinforced you. Bi an'amin with animals, grazing livestock, wa banin and children. Wa jannatin and gardens. Wa uyunin and springs. Inni, indeed I. Akhafu alaykum. I fear for you. Adaba yawmin alim, the punishment of a terrible day. I fear that the one who gave you all of these blessings, he can also take them back. That when you're so violent with people, the punishment that will fall on you will also be very violent. Qalu, they said. What was their response? Sawa'un alayna. Sawa'un, it is same. Alayna on us. A whether wa'alta, you advised, you admonished. Wa'ain Allah. Wa'al, mawi'Allah, admonition, instruction. And remember that wa'al is a complete effective advice with warning and encouragement. So they said that it doesn't matter to us whether you advise us, amlam or not, takun, you are min al-wa'idin of those who advise. Meaning we don't care whether you advise us or you do not advise us. We're not going to listen to you. We're not going to give any heed to what you say. So you might as well save yourself some energy and not say anything to us. In hadha. They said, in not hadha this, meaning whatever you're telling us, it is illa, nothing except for khuluqul awwaleen, the khuluq of the former people. What is khuluq? Kha, lam, qaf. Khuluq is nature. It's the singular form of the word akhlaq. What is akhlaq? Character. A person's disposition, their manner, their way. So, this is the khuluq Meaning this is the way, the character of who? Of the former people, al-awwaleen. In other words, what they're saying to him is that, O Prophet Hud, whatever you're telling us is something that the people of the past used to talk about. This is how they used to think. The ancient people, the backward people, long time ago, this is what they used to say. That be careful about what you're doing, 
worry about your akhirah. Don't just focus on dunya. These are, you know, traditions of the ancient people. Now, with all of this advancement and technology that we have, we know better how important life is. You know, so many people say this about Islam, that Islam, it focuses on afterlife. And this is what they hate about Islam. They say that we're living in the world, think about the world. So see what satisfies you, what pleases you, what makes you happy, what brings you pleasure. So focus on that. Forget about the afterlife. Whereas if you forget about the afterlife, then how is your life going to be? So they said, إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا وَمَا نَحْنُ They said, وَمَا and not نَحْنُ we بِمُعَذَّبِينَ At all wants to be punished. Meaning there is no punishment. There is no afterlife. فَكَذَّبُوهُ So they denied him. فَأَهْلَكْنَاهُمْ So we destroyed them. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةٍ Indeed, and that is surely a sign, a lesson. وَمَا كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ But most of them were not to be believers. In Surah Al-Haqqah, ayah 6-8, this is mentioned in detail, where Allah says, وَأَمَّا عَادٌ فَأُهْلِكُوا بِرِيحٍ صَرْصَرٍ عَاتِيَةٍ That as for Ad, they were destroyed by a screaming, violent wind, which Allah imposed upon them for seven nights and eight days in succession. This is how they were destroyed. And how badly were they destroyed? That you could see the people therein fallen as if they were hollow trunks of palm trees. That all of them were just fallen on the ground. Not even one person remained. وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ And indeed your Lord, He is the exalted in might, the merciful. Because at the end, who is it that was victorious? Who is it who prevailed? Allah. He is the one who prevailed because he is Aziz. And at the same time, he is Ar-Rahim. He is merciful to those who turn to him, those who repent to him. Recitation. كَذَّبَتْ عَادُنِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ هُودٌ أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ إِنِّي لَكُمْ رَسُولٌ أَمِينٌ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ وَمَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ إِنْ أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ أَتَبْنُونَ بِكُلِّ رِيعٍ آيَةً تَعْبَثُونَ وَتَتَّخِذُونَ مَصَانِعَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَخْلُدُونَ وَإِذَا بَطَشْتُمْ بَطَشْتُمْ جَبَّارِينَ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ وَاتَّقُوا الَّذِي أَمَدَّكُمْ بِمَا تَعْلَمُونَ أَمَدَّكُمْ بِأَنْعَامٍ وَبَنِينَ وَجَنَّاتٍ وَعُيُونَ إِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ قَالُوا سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْنَا أَوَعَظْتَ أَمْ لَمْ تَكُمْ الواعظين إن هذا إلا خلق الأولين 
وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمُعَذَّبِينَ فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَأَهْلَكْنَاهُمْ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً وَمَا كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الرَّحِيمُ سبحانك اللهم بحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته